is to start with the Four Noble Truths. So I have the Sutta to read because for me to hear the voice of the Buddha is very both encouraging, very liberating and there's something about coming into direct contact with these teachings with no voice but the translator between us and them. So I'll just say a few words before I read it and then I'll spend a little time just teasing it out. But this will certainly be something we come back to again and again, both within the teaching on the retreat and for yourselves throughout the practice. This is the, the thing into which all the Buddha's teachings fit. And the Buddha was very clear. He only taught one thing. And it was suffering, dukkha, stress, and the end of suffering. And he taught this out of compassion. So as we listen, as we do our meditation practice, our inquiry. It's to be done with the same quality of compassion. The teachings were given to allow us to wake up out of affliction. And they are to be used and practiced with that quality. So as we turn our attention inward, we start investigating this body and mind. It's out of compassion. So I find it a very helpful thing to refer to. It's a way to check what I'm doing. It's not about some self-improvement plan. It's not about not being all right, having something to finally sort out. It's because there is the possibility of liberation, nirvana, here and now, not delayed in time. Before, you know, before the soup, or was it after the soup? <laughs> before the soup. Before the soup. <laughs> well, we just now we're back, you know, in the founder's cottage, and I'd been reading in here last night, and I somehow had just opened at the sutta which was kind of radical, 
and it was talking about a lay person's liberation, complete liberation. And it was comparing this lay person's complete liberation with a monk who had been practicing for a hundred years. I think it's a hundred years. With been liberated. Liberated for a hundred years. And saying, there is no difference. The Buddha said there is no difference in their liberation. So it's a very nice thing to be really keeping in the forefront. We can wake up here and now. It's not about some practice somebody else is doing somewhere else. This teaching of the Buddha was offered for our liberation. So don't wait for some other lifetime, for some other retreat, for some other moment. We come with this quality of in this moment, here and now, we can wake up to what is happening. And the inquiry is, what gives us this capability? How do we do this? What stops us? So the the teaching of the setting the wheel of Dharma in motion, the Buddha gave to his five friends that he had been practicing with. And it's to, as we hear this teaching, it's to remember they had certain qualities they had been cultivating. And these are the the path qualities of generosity, of ethical living, this this dana sila. They have the quality cultivating the ability to calm and stabilize the mind, this quality samadhi. So when they came to the Buddha, when he came to them, recognizing they had the capacity to wake up, they were at first resistant. They thought he had lost the way. And then something in them begins to open and listen. So just to really consider how, how do we prepare the mind? How do we prepare the mind for this liberating teaching? And my encouragement always is we listen to the, to the Dhamma. We listen with the receptive mind, a mind that lets the Dhamma come to us and resonate. You have all heard the Four Noble Truths many times, I'm sure. But it's, it can be just in some moment it touches us we actually let it in. We let these truths penetrate. And when thinking about this
quality of integration. And I was talking to one of you just before the retreat started and how, how it can be in practice. You know? And I was saying, we've, we've been teaching Portland and Mazanita, and I was reminded of what it was like before I heard the Buddha's teaching formally. And I've been practicing for a long time in different traditions of meditation. Practicing for union with Brahma. So you'll be familiar with that. And so uh, I had a lot of samadhi, I guess you could call it, and would sit and the mind would go into this incredibly blissful realm. And I would have to set my alarm clock and Two hours, the alarm would go, and I would have to come out of this heavenly realm, this realm of the most beautiful becoming, and into this afflicted experience of my life, where I really didn't want to be. And the experience of this radical lack of integration, I mean, it was a tremendous existential crisis and I won't go into how that played out but you know, just this polarity and this is the first thing the Buddha addresses this, this craving for becoming this craving to not become and the, the integrating truth of the Four Noble Truths. And for me, this, that the hearing the Four Noble Truths, glimpsing them, was so radical into this experience of such, yeah, I don't know what you even call it, but it was a crisis really, a profound crisis. And the, the integrating place was the Four Noble Truths, that whatever is going on, we can awaken to. So it was a, these truths tell us we can come out of these polarities. Sometimes the meditation is blissful, sometimes it's not. Sometimes our life is easy, sometimes it's not. The actual conditions don't matter. Where the Four Noble Truths free us out of conditions. We have our refuge in the Buddha, in the ability of the mind to know the way it is. It sounds so simple, but it's such profound medicine. Just be able to be here out of contention, with no contention with any experience. Mm. We're freed out of the brown realm mm. where people get stuck and we have the capacity, we have a framework to meet our experience and contemplate it. Mm. It's liberating. Mm. So, 
I'll read you the great turning of the wheel of Dharma. And let this teaching come to you, touch you, in whatever way it does. So say you know it. Let it penetrate, let it be medicine. So many things marked in here by different teachers that have come and gone. Here we are. Yes, thank you. So the setting in motion of the wheel of the Dharma. So thus have I, thus have I heard. So we know it is Ananda who is reciting this. <coughs> On one occasion, the Blessed One was dwelling at Varanasi in the deer park near Isipatane. There the Blessed One addressed a group of five. So these are the five aesthetics he's been practicing with. There are two extremes which should not be followed by one who has gone forth into homelessness. What two? The pursuit of sensual happiness and sensual pleasures which is low, vulgar in the way of worldlings, ignoble, unbeneficial, <coughs> and the pursuit of self-mortification, which is painful, ignoble, unbeneficial. Without veering towards either of these extremes, the Tathagata has awakened to the middle way, which gives rise to vision, which gives rise to knowledge, which leads to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to Nibbāna. And what is the middle way awakened to by the Tathāgata, which gives rise to vision, which leads to Nibbāna? It is this noble eightfold path, that is, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort right mindfulness, right concentration. This is the middle way awakened to by the Tathagata, which gives rise to vision, which gives rise to knowledge, which gives rise to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to Nirvana. Now this is a noble truth of suffering. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering, illness is suffering, death is suffering, union with what is displeasing is suffering, separation from what is pleasing is suffering, not to get what one wants is suffering. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are suffering. Now this is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. It is this craving which leads to renewed existence, accompanied by delight and lust, seeking delight here and there, that is, craving for sensual pleasures, craving for existence, 
craving for non-existence. Now this is a noble truth of the cessation of suffering. It is the remainderless fading away and cessation of that same craving, the giving up and relinquishing of it, freedom from it, non-reliance on it. Now this is the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering. It is this noble eightfold path. That is, right view, <coughs> right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. This is a noble truth of suffering. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. This noble truth of suffering is to be fully understood. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. The noble truth of suffering has been fully understood. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. This is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. This, in, thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. The noble truth of the origin of suffering is to be abandoned. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and right light. The noble truth of the origin of suffering has been abandoned. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. This is the noble truth of the cessation of suffering. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. This noble truth of the cessation of suffering is to be realised. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. The noble truth of the cessation of suffering has been realised. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. This is the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. This noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of suffering is to be developed. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. The noble truth 
of the way leading to the cessation of suffering has been developed. Thus, in regard to things unheard before, there arose in me vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge and light. So long as my knowledge and vision of these four noble truths as they really are in their three phases and twelve aspects was not thoroughly purified in this way, I did not claim to have awakened to the unsurpassed perfect enlightenment in this world with its devas, maras, brahma, in this generation with its aesthetics, its devas and humans. But when my knowledge and vision of these four noble truths as they really are in their three phases and twelve aspects was thoroughly purified in this way, then I claim to awaken to the unsurpassed perfect enlightenment in this world with its devas, Mara, Brahma, and this generation with its aesthetics, Brahmins, Devas, humans. The knowledge and vision arose in me. Unshakable is the liberation of my mind. This is my last birth. Now there is no more renewed existence. This is what the Blessed One said. Elated, the group of five delighted in the Blessed One's statement. And while this discourse was being spoken, there arose in the venerable Kandanga the dust-free, stainless vision of the Dharma. Whatever is subject to origination is all subject to cessation. And when, when the wheel of the Dharma had been set in motion by the Blessed One, the earth-dwelling devas raised a cry. At Varanasi in the deer park at Isipatane, this unsurpassed wheel of the Dharma has been set in motion by the Blessed One, which cannot be stopped by any aesthetic or Brahman or Deva or Mara or Brahma or by anyone in the world. Having heard the cry of the earth-dwelling devas, the devas of the realm of the four great kings raised a cry. Having heard the cry of the devas of the realm of the four great kings, the Tawatinsa devas, the Yama devas, the Tusita devas, the Namaramati devas, the Parinimati Vasubhati devas, the devas of Rama's company raised a cry. At Varanasi, in the deer park at Dissipatani, this unsurpassed wheel of Dharma has been set in motion by the Blessed One, which cannot be stopped by any aesthetic or Brahma or Deva or Mara, by anyone in the world. Thus, at that moment, at that instant, at that second, the cry spread as far as the Brahma world, and this tenfold world system shook, quaked and trembled, and an immeasurable glorious radiance appeared in the world, surpassing the divine majesty of the devas. Then the Blessed One uttered this inspired utterance, Kandanyu has indeed understood, Kandanyu has indeed understood. In this way, the Venerable Kandanyu acquired the name Anya Kandanya, Kandanya who has understood.
So the wheel of Dharma was set in motion and we are fortunate that we are still where this wheel we can hear it we have the good fortune to be where the teachings are given that we have inherited it so we are we are not orphans we are we have this inheritance from the Buddha of the Four Noble Truths that was set in set in motion and we will go into some of the detail of this say over the coming days but just a few small things to comment upon one of the things that really strikes me when I read this when I hear it is that there is this huge fuss that goes on right up whether you believe in them or not but through all kinds of realms of existence, devas, brahmas there's a huge hullabaloo going on really announcing the turning of the wheel but what does the Buddha comment upon? He says, Kondanyu has understood. So that's really the miracle. The teaching is given, someone understands it. They understand this insight, the insight into dukkha, that everything arises, ceases. And it's to investigate in our practice this experience of Anicca and how this Anicca so fits with the Four Noble Truths. When Pandanyu penetrates the Four Noble Truths, this is his insight. He has seen the grasping mind that whatever it takes hold of falls away. Whatever it contacts is changing. And he abandons his addiction, his grasping at the world and comes into this radical insight, liberated insight. And on an intellectual level, it may not make much sense. I don't know. But as a, as a penetrative understanding, it is liberating. So, in the teachings, usually the encouragement is really to look at this quality, to, to investigate Kundana's insight, the, the sense of the anicca, the movement, the <coughs> constant changing, shifting nature of all conditions. And to connect that with the experience of stress. 
of, of contention, how we are asking the world to be different than it is. We want things that are pleasant and loved to remain the same. We don't want old age, sickness and death. And what's it like when we relax that, when we're prepared to be with the reality of our experience? If ease appears. What you know, one way I think of it is that the the mind is so desperately trying not to be with what's really going on. It's doing every trick it possibly can to look somewhere else. And that takes a tremendous amount of energy not to notice what's actually happening. You can feel the mind proliferating, running here, running there. You can feel like you know, we're trying to do something here and we're juggling something else behind our back. We've just got so much going on so that we don't have to notice. And when we dare to come into the present moment and just be with the pain in our heart, the pain in our knee, the confusion, with whatever the condition is, it is such a relief to stop running, to understand this experience of dukkha, of stress. And it's not to make a view of it. As I've been saying in Portland and things, we've got to be very careful. These are not philosophical truths, they're noble truths. They're they're to be used as ground for inquiry and investigation as a truth we slap on to everything, you know, as an idea with which we look at the world, they're deadly. Mm-hmm. And then Theravadans, you know, with this kind of teaching, are t- told that we're nihilistic, anti-life. But the, the reality of actually using this, this discourse of the Buddha to actually come into a present experience is so blissful and liberating, whatever the condition is. It's like, yes to life. It doesn't have to be any other way. And, it, and once again, that's not a doctrine either, you know? <coughs> because it can then be the view that we don't take any action in the world. So that's not what the Buddha is saying, but it's about actually being present to reality. You know, to as Jatinri was saying this morning, we clear what hinders the mind so we can see clearly. Have you ever tried to solve something from the worried mind? <laughs> Have you ever tried to sort out a conflict from your angry, agitated heart. We usually just heap confusion upon confusion. So the encouragement of practice is we calm, we steady, 
let the mind open, we, we let those experiences that hinder the clarity of the mind fall away, so that we actually can see here and now reality. And from that, we respond. So it's not a, so not a <coughs> passive doctrine either. So inquire as you work with these teachings. Wherever it shapes into some kind of view, you lay across your life, it will be harmful. But the encouragement is to be present, to take refuge in the very ability of the mind to be awake, to know. Coming out of contention with life. When we come out of that, we start to feel that the very loveliness of the knowing of the mind. Our, our allegiance is with the Buddha, with the Four Noble Truths, not with conditions. So notice whose side you're on. The way the mind tends Ignorance grasps, and with that grasping arises stress, dukkha, agitation. These are the noble truths, but the possibility, this radical possibility the Buddha awoke to, is when we dare to be present, to understand suffering, to abandon that movement of craving, we realize the cessation of stress, of dukkha. And there is a path of practice that makes this possible. So we'll, of course, investigate this this practice, this path. And once again, to, to not take it as, well, the path means I have to walk along here for another 30 years. <laughs> no, it's not a view again. The Dharma is immediate. But certain c- conditions ripen the heart. Give it the capacity to come fully into presence here. Unshakable, invincible. So, yeah. So, whatever is going on, the Four Noble Truths are our refuge. We can awaken to the reality of our experience. We can be present to the arising and passing of all conditions. This is our inheritance. 
our human inheritance and our the gift from the Buddha. Maybe enough for tonight, knowing many of you will still be quite tired from traveling, knowing that this this teaching we will come back towards again and again. What are the five aggregates of grasping? How do they work with the Four Noble Truths? So these things we can unfold with time. Know whatever is happening, the Four Noble Truths are the medicine. We can always come into the experience of receiving dukkha, understanding it, abandoning the activity of craving, recognizing it as something we're actually doing, letting go, letting go of what is not helpful, what is harmful, and coming into this freedom. Nibbana, here and now. It isn't about somebody else. It can be kind of comfortable to think, or you have to be shaven head and robes, or you have to be practicing for the last 50 years before you really have to get down to it. But you don't know who you are. You don't know what what you have brought with you, how ripe your heart may be, or how long you have in this lifetime. So the only time to wake up is now. And don't keep a small sense of your capability because as I said, you don't know who you really are. You can have such a limited sense. Well, I've only been meditating for the last 30 years. (laughs) I need to do another five years or something. Or, you know, my mind's not so very sharp. But if you read the suited, all kinds of people penetrated, understood, took this profound teaching and awakened to it. Mm. Mm. want to close this part of the evening with one of the reflections.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.